0: This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 34. One of the most important aspects of any business is learning how to plan, and that is no less for the business of refinishing. In fact, in some cases, planning has a greater significance because you are planning for the integration of your work in each day, but also planning what you're going to do with each piece you are refinishing. We have pulled from a few previous episodes over the last three seasons to create a beneficial podcast that will help you become a better planner. You'll hear from Ann Michelle with Mini Design Ashburn, Laura with Redhead Refinishings, Sarah with Sitting Pretty Home Decor, Courtney with Steel Birch Studios, Anastasia with Shab to Rad, and Eliana with Why Not Redesign. Chelsea with River and Oak Living shares a great refinishing tip, and we'll find out what Christine with CM Restorations, Amber with Lakeside Restorations, and Maggie and Nate with 303 Silo Design are working on in their studios this week. Stay with us, we have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. We're going to start our discussion on today's podcast with Anne Michelle of Amini Design Ashburn and Laura of Redhead Refinishings. Our discussion will be how to simplify your business by planning and organizing your day. Who doesn't want to simplify? That's always a good thing. Let's get to our discussion. Well, we're talking about you know time management, but that's kind of a broad topic as well. Uh, but I think oftentimes organization has a role uh, and is linked to time management. Do you do you guys see that as well? Do you see there's a big link between time management and organization?
1: Oh, definitely. I feel you know as far as organization just having, having things in order saves you time. So it's an area I struggle with too, especially, you know, my workshop, AKA my garage. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put things in a spot that I know I sh- they should go. And sometimes when I'm busy, I'll just be rushing around and I'll put paint cans here or there. And, and then I'll go to look for them to use them again and I can't find it. And, you know, and sometimes it'll take me, you know, a half hour, an hour just to find where I'd put the one thing I was looking for, which, you know, I could have used that hour, Doing something else, so um, <laughs> yeah, organization is um, is another area that I, I think I could um, be a little bit better at this new year. But but yeah, they are. De- I think they're definitely linked for sure. Do
0: you guys build into your weekly schedule the time to get organized, or does that just sort of unfold as you go throughout the the week?
1: For me, I need to. I don't build it into the week. Um, I do. Um, I do in the morning, I'll get up early before the kids get up and I'll have my cup of coffee and I'll have my little notebook where I write write my notes down and I'll do that organization. But as far as organizing my actual space um, and my tools and my paints, I, I, I think I need to you know, uh, be better about adding that into the week. But I feel like that's kind mm-hmm. of thrown to the side when I actually need to work and get stuff done, um, as far as furniture, um, and other household chores. Um, so that's usually the last, that led the last thing that, mm-hmm. you know, is on my list that usually doesn't yeah. get done. <laughs> 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 right,
2: right I think we have built up a collection of four or five tape oh, yeah. measures now because yes. every time we use <laughs> <need to fly>, a <laughs> you can't I think <laughs> I have like seven eight or eight measures. honestly. <laughs> yeah they disappear <laughs> right? I know I mean, where do they yes. go? That and tack cloths. It's like my God. So we're I'm the same. I, I actually I would say Friday I would try and spend like maybe half an hour. Of course it's very late at that point, probably eleven or midnight um, when everyone's sleeping, I just try and go down and get the garage at least sweeped. Or stuff, <laughs> I get that, <laughs> that I try and get that area nice and clean um because there's one thing that I really don't enjoy and that's coming in it, whether it's on the weekend or Monday to just a messy area because then you sort of you don't really have that energy that you want to put into your work because now you're spending it on organizing, so I definitely need to get better at that as well. Um, I will say because. Like Laura, our space is the garage. I tend to bring things in from the garage um, and somehow they end up oh, in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, kitchens. totally. So yeah. there Me are too. times where... <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, and why would I even put it in the kitchen? I don't know. But there are times where I tend to just... Things make their way back um, throughout the week. So I guess that helps a little, but if they didn't end up in the kitchen, that would probably be a benefit right there.
0: Yeah, it's organization, I think is... It's so crucial with any career, isn't it? And really even managing uh, your household. It's just when I found this true, uh, even with my own responsibilities, is that they just get so busy, your day gets filled so quickly, you may have intentions to stop and organize, but there's other things that happen and, and it's not as though those other things can just be put on the back burner. A lot of times they're things that have to be dealt with right there, you know, and at that moment. And so organization just, just unfortunately gets back burner. And I think there's probably something to the idea of being uh, a little more intentional. And I'm really speaking on my behalf. I don't know if this is true for you all, but being more intentional about being organized as you go throughout the day. Like, you know, making sure you put something up when you take it away from the place that it's supposed to be. I know I do Uh that. I'll take something and then I'll walk away with it. My mind's on something else. I sit it down and then everybody's helping me hunt for that one thing that, you know, that I sat down in this obscure place and I wasn't even thinking about it when I sat it down, which is why I can't find it.
2: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes that's like when keys end up in the freezer uh-huh. I mean, you, why yeah. would you put it there I
1: don't know <laughs> or I'll take hardware yeah. off a piece and it it just happened and then usually I'll put it in a baggie and put it put it in a drawer um, out in the garage that I have you know the rest of them but I just worked on a piece a couple weeks ago and I had all the pieces except for the one and it was an antique it was a really nice piece of hardware and I I I looked everywhere and I couldn't find it. So I did, you know, redrill new holes and put a, you know, new, new piece of hardware on it. And it was just so frustrating, but I should have just put it in the baggie mm. and put it away. <laughs> I did it.
0: It does affect our time, doesn't it? When, when is the most productive time for, for you all? Do you find it, uh, and it, it could be a day of the week, uh, it could be the time of day. What have you all found to be the most productive time?
1: Um, I find myself definitely in the morning the freshest and most productive. I'll get up and I try to get up early. Some days I can't um, because I'm staying up late the night before, but I find Mm -hmm. myself the most productive like right away in the morning, I'll have my coffee, get going. Um, And usually that from like, you know, early morning, like five to noon, I feel the freshest, you know. Um, So, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times I do have to stay up at night after the kids go to bed, um, to get stuff done. But I find my best time definitely is in the morning for sure.
0: Now are you, you said five to noon, are you doing refinishing during that time or is it more of sort of planning and getting other things done maybe
3: in the house?
1: I'll be refinished like painting, like, um, since now it's cold out here. Uh, we did just install a nice heater in the garage so I can work out there, but I will actually, Pull pieces in like right from the garage into our kitchen, and I can paint there, or I can set up a space in the basement and mm-hmm. paint in the basement, um, and and just do it quietly. We do my hand painting because I don't do I don't you know do any spraying because it's cold now, so I'll do all hand painting. But um, but yeah yeah I'll do both. I'll do planning and I'll do um, business stuff, emails, you know, getting back to clients, that sort of thing. Basically, whatever needs to get done that days. Best in the morning for mm-hmm. me, yeah.
0: And we love it when we hear refinishers say they do hand painting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we love! I love my zebra brushes. That's, that's for a sure. Big <laughs> got, a, got my arsenal of them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do, and I love it. You know, I like spraying, but I like I. There's nothing like getting, you know, getting uh, my hand, a brush in my hand and painting in the morning and having that quiet time and just focusing on yeah. on painting and that piece of you know piece of furniture.
0: And Michelle, when is your most productive times?
1: Uh, I'm pretty
2: much the same. Um, I tend to stay awake really late at night. And during that time, it's a lot of planning and preparation in my mind as far as what I need to do the Mm -hmm. next day. But then when I actually get up in the morning, my husband, he actually turns on the heater in the garage. So by the time I get down at 7 o'clock with the kids for school, they're out the door. Everyone's gone in my house Um, by 8 o'clock. I can start working. And with that extra time from when the heater's turned on to when I get in there, it's nice and toasty and I can get Mm -hmm. right to work. But I know, and if I spend, you know, a consistent amount of hours, let's say from 8 to 11, I probably could get an entire piece done if it's already been prepped. So once that energy, you know, is... Gone at 11 and 12. I feel like I just ran a marathon. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because you're like in your mind, you've been working on that uh-huh. piece since the day before. So, really, when you can actually get it done um, by noon, let's say, then you can sort of take your time and do the little things, you know, the hardware mm-hmm. cleaning, the touch ups, um, all the other stuff. But I'm definitely the same in the morning. I feel like that's when I have the most amount of energy. And the ideas are fresh from the night before where you're just really motivated to get everything you can done. I I would say before the noon Mm -hmm. mark is probably when I get the
1: most Mm. done. Yeah, definitely.
0: If I were a listener and not a podcast host, I would be saying while I'm listening to this, how much sleep do you guys get every night? (laughs) So I I, I have to ask the question, do you go to sleep? (laughs) What what do you think? I'm just curious, estimated. What do you think your average uh, number of hours Mm. that you get?
1: I think average probably five to six. I think normally Hmm. average, yeah, for me, maybe seven Seven is nice. Yeah. I I said maybe seven.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably uh, (laughs) weird. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would say probably for me, it's between four and five, Um, you know, especially with kids and the season right now, everyone's sick. So, um, yeah, you get less (laughs) than you'd like, but you know, your body adapts. It's a beautiful thing.
0: You're right.
4: You Mm
2: -hmm. you get used to it. you get used to that little amount of
0: time well do do any of you either of you have any boundaries in the business um things you will not do like for example refusing to work beyond a certain hour now that's an example and it sounds like you guys work late but is there anything you just you just (laughs) like you know i'm not going to to do this um because it's important that i have this boundary and it can even be for yourself as well you know um does does that anything you want to share there
2: I do. I, I can't paint on site. Um, for me, it's just not feasible right now. Um, my husband works a pretty long distance away, you know, like an hour and a mm-hmm. half. And I have you know, kids in three different schools. And at least once a week, I get a call from a nurse at some school. Say, up your kids? So
4: for me, I know that
2: painting on site, it just can't happen right now um, with the way the family dynamics are. But um, it's not a never thing and that would be a great um time for me to refer them to someone Mm -hmm. in the community who can so for me that's that's my Mm -hmm. no no painting on site
1: yeah i'm just going to go back just what i talked about before is just not taking customers pieces at this time just like i said i like to work work on my own pieces and um and work and be in control that way for me, you know. Like I said, I've I've done custom work before, and it just kind of stresses me out. And at this at this season in my life with super little kids and and trying to work and do the family thing and you know ship furniture, I just kind of want to be able to control what I can control as far as furniture wise mm-hmm. with my own pieces. So yeah. Yeah,
0: it's so important to establish those boundaries, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, some people want
1: to push those too. Some people are, you know, pretty insistent, and uh, yeah. it's just, it's hard sometimes. But it's also kind of liberating and refreshing just to be like, "No, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't do that right now."
2: Say, I think in the beginning, when you're first starting out, you're scared to say no. Mm-hmm. But the longer you do this, the more yeah. important your time and your um, comfort level. I think you learn to say no and accept the fact that you have to for your own sanity.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I know there's uh, likely um, a number of listeners that maybe haven't been in the refinishing business um, very long, and I would imagine that oftentimes one of the things they potentially struggle with early on is time management. They're focused on building their business, but they may feel overwhelmed because there's so much to do, so little time to do it. Do either of you or both of you have um, advice on how to encourage them and some advice on how to be better managers of their time early on in the business?
2: Sure. Well, um, I think a big part of furniture refinishing is the social media aspect of it and marketing your Mm -hmm. pieces. And that does take up a really big chunk of time. Uh, And a lot of the time, people may not know, but there are definite ways to help minimize the time you spend on social media unintentionally (laughs) because sometimes you're on it and then it's an hour later and you've lost that hour. hour. So I think if you take advantage of some of the apps, such as if you have a Facebook business page, you can schedule your posts um, so you don't have to stay up until 8 o'clock if you need to be doing furniture work. You can actually schedule your piece to post at that time. It will go live on your page and that's a great way to advertise. also there's an app called app it's an instagram scheduler and that's also a free uh, resource there you can schedule your instagram posts so i think when you're first starting out and you need to juggle all these balls taking advantage of the automation that is available now really is beneficial and um, also a lot of things you can get delivered to your door these days so you might not need to spend you know two hours at the hardware store for example, um, Walmart sells um, tack cloths, They sell sanding blocks. They sell lots of tools that you can use and have delivered to your mm-hmm. door. So, I think if you can find a way to maximize the on on furniture, on hand furniture, mm-hmm. if that's the right term, <laughs> the the amount if you can maximize the time that you're spending with your hand to the piece rather than doing all the other things. Mm-hmm that lead up to that such as supply runs um you know or or the social media part i think you'll really see yourself um make the most of your time in that Mm way
1: i think that's great advice i didn't even know about that um instagram poster so i'm gonna look into that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh yeah it's called app and you can
2: you can schedule it um and it's helped me because there are some times where like I'm in, involved in like a, a hashtag thing and they say, okay, we want you to post yes. at 9 PM. Well at 9 PM, the kids are going to bed mm-hmm. and ah, I can't, sit, yeah. you know, you can't sit there with your phone. So that has really been a lifesaver. Okay. Spell that
0: app for us, um, and Michelle, what, what is the app?
2: It's a P P H I.
0: Okay, good.
2: And it's,
1: it's a free app. Very good. So I think for me, um, the best advice for someone starting out is don't overwhelm yourself with going out and buying too many pieces of furniture like I did. Mm. I feel like, you know, once you first start, you get this big excitement and yeah, I, I want to refinish, I want to refinish and I want, you know, you see these pieces for sale and and you go buy them and, and br- bring them home and and then, you know... A couple months later, your whole garage is filled and your basement's filled, (laughs) and you're a little bit overwhelmed. Um, uh, I just think that for me, I've found what works best when I'm, you know, when I'm purchasing and selling, and it's not necessarily buying every little, you know, old table and old chair. It's focusing on pieces that are quality and that I know will, you know, stand the, you know, another fifty or sixty years, and they might be a little bit more pricey, but um, just taking the time to really buy quality furniture and not kind of bog myself down mm-hmm. with too many pieces and, and, you know, keep filling up my garage and in my basement. And because it takes time to go and buy these pieces and it takes time, you know, you know, to bring them home and to find places mm-hmm. for them. So I think it's, you know, kind of see what works and what sells for you. And, kind of focus on those pieces versus, you know, buying every little piece of furniture that you can. So
0: that's certainly a lesson. I I like what you said, because you highlighted the fact of trying to avoid being overwhelmed. And that's certainly good advice to, um, to remember. In July of last year, we gleaned from Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. as She shared her planning process of refinishing furniture. Enjoy. Sarah, from seeing your work, it's evident that you go full steam at the refinishing process. And many of us wonder how you go about making the right decisions regarding paint, stain, hardware, what to paint, what not to paint. So tell us, what is your planning and preparing process like?
5: Um, I've taken a lot of cues from what I have learned from doing decorating and interior design back I think I've told you this before a few years ago I started to go to school for interior design and one of the courses I took was on mood boards and taking all of the elements that you sort of have in your head for a space and putting them together and the biggest thing I get out of that is being able to see it all together before you execute it because sometimes what you have in your head doesn't always translate and so with furniture I get the piece and usually from the minute I see it on Marketplace, I'm already, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I, there are lots of free apps that you can download. The one I use is called Collageable. Um, it's nothing fancy. You literally just import your pictures and it creates a collage. But that gives you the ability to see your color of paint with you know if you're going to have a wood aspect and the tone of that your hardware your drawer liner if you're going to use it and you can see it all together and you might think oh you know that color actually really doesn't go with that hardware very well and you, get, you can mm-hmm. change it out and and it's really helped with custom work too because i can send it to the client you know they're sometimes they're not as creative or as visual as we are and it really helps for them to see all of the aspects right there you know for them to make decisions before you proceed
0: Now, this app you're talking about, when you're talking about you put all the um, pieces, like the hardware, the color, you know, I suppose drawer liners, that type of thing. Are you pulling these images from websites or are you taking pictures of these things? Uh, And I'm thinking in terms of, too, the color, like making sure, let's say if you're you're using a, a color chip from Fusion, are you getting that from their website? Like, how does that work?
5: Um, Most of the time, I don't use any of them from the websites just because I find them to not always be super accurate. You know, it's hard. It's hard, especially on people's screens. What I'll either do is I have either a color deck or a color chart from every company that I use paint for. I will take a picture of that. If it's for a client, I'll take multiple pictures of that same paint chip in different lighting because – They need to see it. Um, Or I will go on Instagram and I'll find a piece that someone's done in that color. Um, Somebody I know that stages in natural light, you know, just to, and I'll zoom in on it and crop, you know, just a little piece of it out to put in my collage.
0: That makes me think with respect to going on Instagram and doing that, how effective it is, you know, when we talk about hashtags and sometimes we look over hashtags, but you know, how cool would that be if every furniture finisher would hashtag the color you know, that they're yes. using, you know, and then, cause you could hashtag that color and then, you know, all these pieces would pop up that have been painted in that color.
5: Um, yeah. That, um, or just even the hardware, like Hepple, hashtag Hepple white, you know, and then you could look under that and, you know, get pictures of different colors of Hepple white hardware.
0: How long do you think you spend working on the planning process with these mood boards? And now, and I also want to ask with respect to how long you spend, just to clarify, or is it all done digitally through collage or do you also do some hand like tangible mood boards?
5: I do it all on my phone and I spend way too long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Way too long.
5: (laughs) I really, really do. And I do the same thing with my home, you know, just put things together because I don't wanna I don't want to get it wrong, especially if you're spending money. And I don't always get it right. Even if I put together a board, you know, sometimes I paint things and like, hmm, you know, and sometimes I, but it's really helped me hone in my creative process and it has eliminated a lot of mistakes for me just, you know, seeing it all together beforehand.
0: Obviously, time is money. I mean, unless you're doing this just for a hobby and it's philanthropic work, I mean, you know, if you're doing this to, to um, help bring in income, then you've got to really be cognizant of uh, the time that you spend. And, and, and really, I mean, who wants to? Who wants to paint a piece and then have to turn around and repaint it again because you don't like the way it turned out? I mean, that's 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 no fun. I wouldn't think.
5: No, it can can be can be disheartening.
0: You you also mentioned uh, looking at Instagram and stuff, uh, inspiration searching. That's a big part of the process. I mean, do you ever go on Pinterest and places like that as well?
5: Yeah, I mostly go on Instagram. You know, I have the few people in my head most of the time, and if it's a certain style, like I've only done a few mid-century. And before I dove into those, I definitely went on Instagram and looked at some of the people that I know that mainly do mid-century to sort of, you know, plus there's a lot of rules with (laughs) mid-century. At least there's rules for me in my head. You know, I I wanted to (laughs) sort of, you know, do the style justice.
0: Do you involve others in the process?
5: As far as refinishers?
0: Yeah. I mean, do you put a mood board together uh, and say, hey, what do you think of this? Or maybe your kids, Gary, um, I I suppose you do with the clients, right? Because you got to get their approval.
5: Yes, absolutely. All of the above. Um, There are a lot of refinishers. It's not always the same people too. Sometimes it just, you know, hey, let me, can I bounce this off of you? Um, Gary mostly just, yeah, yeah, honey, looks great. Looks great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And my kids my kids are actually surprisingly good at seeing what works and what doesn't, and um, especially Alex. He's got a real eye for it. And of course, kids are super honest, so I know I can I can trust them.
0: It's neat too because they're you know they're seeing what's going on. You know, even subconsciously, they they understand your style, and um, so and then they've got those creative juices in their blood as well. So that's really cool. I love how it all. How it allows you creating these mood boards digitally allows you to to gather and order all the items you need up front so you aren't delayed once you start the process do you just order what you need when you need it or do you stockpile supplies what what does that look like
5: There are a few things I try to make sure I have on hand at all time bondo wood filler you know sandpaper but and I do have a huge stockpile of paint but almost all of the time I end up getting new because what I have isn't you know, exactly what I have in my head. Yeah. And for, as far as hardware, I do have a huge stockpile of it. And I, here lately, I've been trying to utilize it a little bit more. But most of the time I order, almost every piece I have things to order. So yes, that's a huge part of the mood boards is getting everything on hand. Because the last thing you want to do is have a piece finish and then, oh, and now I got to wait a week for hardware.
0: Yeah, that's frustrating because you're killing time as well. Yeah. Well, this is excellent information for everyone, Sarah, whether a novice or veteran. We love how sharing what works for you inspires and helps others.
5: Hi, this is Kate with Kate's Reclaimed, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. Well, my favorite brushes, but I'll talk about my first favorite, is the Palm Pro, and it's my favorite. It's very easy to use, to work with on any sort of piece of furniture that you would be painting. It's small, sleek, and it fits right into the palm of your hand. And the other brush that I have been gravitating towards lately is the, is the fan brush. Um, I'm kind of using this one on smaller pieces with smaller surface area and more detail, but I'm really liking the fan brush as well. Zebra, you guys do a great job. Thank you for everything that you do for this community, and I hope everybody's having a wonderful day.
0: Next up is our discussion with Courtney of Steel Birch Studios. She also shares her creative planning process and how it will assist you in your furniture refinishing. So you find a piece online or at a sale, you bring it home. Now what? <laughs> I mean, tell us how you go about determining what you're going to do with a given piece.
6: The answer is a little complicated, but um, it, can either, <laughs> it can either start with the piece itself, like this piece is gorgeous it has all these details and you know it, it, it's beautiful no matter what will be done to it basically you know mm-hmm. there's just certain pieces that have that charm like there's this uh, amazing oak cabinet i just bought from it was a farmer he hand built it and it was just like incredible it was like a tall desk with a really tall hutch on top and i mean it had um a broken glass panel but like really it was just such a beautiful piece and it was handmade it was just so special you know and i just um you know i i did black um milk paint on it and did caning on the on the the cabinet doors and that was just something that was you know i added to it but it mm-hmm. itself is an amazing piece you know on its own so then there's there's that and then there's also if i see you know just like with writing you know i'm always kind of taking note of designs i like or Um, patterns I see Mm -hmm. in colors you know like all these paint companies have these amazing colors you know and but maybe there'll just be a color in the back of my head I'm like you know I really want to use this on a piece and you know it just really depends on which which direction I guess inspiration will come from but you know I'm always collecting inspiration from different areas so Mm -hmm. it just really depends.
0: (laughs) Do you find that it comes pretty quickly for you?
6: I wish I could say it always does but just like anything, you know, sometimes things are going to, like, come really smoothly. And, or I have a vision, and once I start implementing it, it's, like, not coming out like I had it in my head. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, sometimes you have to kind of detach yourself and look at um, the piece in front of you and, and the design elements you're putting into it and, you know, what makes sense. You know, what is, what is simple, what is unique, what is too much, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind yeah. of, like, dissecting what's working and what isn't. It's it's tricky, and it's it you know. And the design process is always evolving. What I thought maybe I really liked a couple months ago, I you know, mm-hmm. I I did it, and it got out of my system. And now I'm t- doing something different. There's a lot scrambled in my mind that I'm trying to get out into the world. You know?
0: Well, you're doing a beautiful job of it. So oh, keep oh, keep gosh. doing what you're doing.
6: <laughs> Thanks.
0: Let's talk for a moment about how detailed you get with some of your pieces. Uh, I, I know some may be thinking, wow, if I got detailed like that, it would take me forever. I mean, you must be really productive.
6: I'm determined. That's what it is. I'm stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> so when I put my mind to something and you know, like a lot of these intricate patterns that I do, um, mm-hmm. so a lot of them are stencils. Some of them are hand um, drawn, but when when you just get a vision and you're just like, I know I want. I I know I want it charcoal and I want it gold and I want there to be three lines every two inches you get determination and you get a system and you just knock it out but yeah it does it does require patience and as intimidating as it might be to do more intricate designs you know Mm -hmm. like you get better at them the more you do and the first ones I did are I mean nothing nothing fancy you know it's just it's all Mm -hmm. about getting started and doing what you want to do and, and going with your gut. And, you know, if you mess up, that's okay. You can paint over it, start over. So I think it's all about just having the drive.
0: When you are working on a detail piece, and you mentioned patience, do you find yourself patient in the process of painting the detail pieces?
6: For the most part, yes. It, when Especially when I'm just getting started. But by day four, if I'm still working on the pattern and I've I'm like, I plan to be done like eight hours ago. <laughs> so it can get th- definitely um, pretty discouraging. Like I, I listen to podcasts, I um, listen to audiobooks. And it's, it's just very meditative to me, honestly, mm-hmm. when I'm doing the, you know, stenciling and the hand-drawn details. It's, I don't especially when you start to see it come together, it's like, okay, you know, but there's definitely a little hump where it's like, is this is this like ridiculous looking? Like what am I doing? <laughs> this is like three days of my life, you know? <laughs> but uh usually the outcome is very rewarding. So
0: that's so important what you said though, because I think that you have to if you're gonna get with that kind of detail, you have to be able to enjoy in the middle of the detail. And if you can find it, yeah, if you can find it to be therapeutic and you really enjoy that part of it, then I would imagine you're probably suited for it. Because I Mm -hmm. think that I know for me that if I'm doing something that's highly detailed, I've noticed that I can get impatient in it in the sense that it's like, I know it's going to look good and I'm excited about it, but I just want it to be done. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think some of the slip ups can take place or you, Mm -hmm. you could or you become sloppy in the finishing up of it. And then when it's done, yeah. it's like, man, you know, I just didn't take time. So I would, I would assume that's an important aspect. Like, you know, do you enjoy being detailed and being patient with mm-hmm. it? And it? then maybe that's an avenue of design you should explore.
6: Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, I think like with anything, maybe starting out, you know, it's always like really exciting when you first start a new project. And then it's always really exciting, too, when you're, like, almost done, you know, and you can see (laughs) the end result. And it's the middle where it's, like, you're a little bit further ahead than where you were, but you still have a far ways to go. And it's just, like, okay, why are you doing this? You know, do you believe in what you're doing? Is there going to be a reward from it? You know, and it's just, like, getting through that middle weird hump of, like, okay, I'm still... This is what I'm still doing, spending my time. Is it worth it? And I think that goes with a lot of things in life, you know? What are you going to do? And it's like not super exciting. It's just like the daily.
0: Last up is a panel discussion with Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor, Anastasia with Shab Dorad, and Eliana with Why Not Redesign. They discuss how to stay on task and remain productive. Most furniture refinishers are multitaskers. You have several responsibilities to carry out each day, and just one of those includes furniture refinishing. So our topic is how to stay on task as a refinisher while managing other responsibilities. And let me just add that many of you would agree as well that with the pandemic, the challenge has gotten a little bit harder. So what say you panel?
5: Well, I've got something um, that I get asked Probably daily. How do you get all that painting done with five kids? Um, Yeah, Sarah. how do you get it going with five kids? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have little boxes. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, What I usually tell people, and this is true, is I try to involve them. um, And it helps me keep them occupied and stay on task with whatever I'm doing. But like, I have like a little end table that I keep in the garage where I usually work. um, And I let them do whatever they want to it. They can sand on it. They can bang hammers on it. They can paint it. Um, So usually whatever I'm doing, they want to do it, but they have their own piece to do it on. Um, Or I'll open up the garage door and have them, you know, play right where I am, um, hold the phone and help mom make stories. You know, I just try to, instead of, you go do this and I'm going to do this. You know, I try to sort of involve them in what I'm doing. Um, one of my sons kind of has an interest in furniture, but so I can, you know, here, send this. He'll <laughs> give you a dollar. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think like just trying to incorporate them and do it as much as you can as a family. I mean, sometimes it's easier said than done, but it works for me.
3: And they always seem involved, at least in your stories on on Instagram. They always seem to enjoy it. It's not like you're pushing it on them. Or it, doesn't, it yeah. doesn't look that way. You're doing a great job at making them look like they're interested in it. <laughs>
5: yeah, I think, I think so. they are. At least they're,
3: they're faking it well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they, it looks really good. For me, I have to say that um, I have kind of a different situation going all together because my children are older, so I don't have but one at home. And uh, she's 18. She is... Uh, involved in her own life and all the drama that goes on with high school and ending high school and going through a pandemic while you were in your senior year of high school. So mm-hmm. my I divide my day into different categories, what's urgent and what's important. Of course, for me, my family is always the most important and my schedule lit- literally evolved around my daughter while she was in school. Now that things have changed a little bit more, they still evolve around her Um, however, I have more time to work on things. And since we have been at home, I've had all the time to work on things. So urgency for me would be my custom orders. So I just really do, I work on the things that are less important in the morning. And based on the weather here in Dallas, um, I, if I need to spray a piece, I pick a time where I will cook outside myself while I'm painting, um, because it's so hot. Um, and I will work at night do, doing pieces that I paint by hand so, or that I brush, I, I would say. So those are the two categories that I sort of divide my day into to make sure that my productivity is at its best.
5: Do you find yourself more motivated to work on the pieces that you
3: paint to sell versus your custom ones? Because I struggle with that. I think there is a little bit of both. My motivation with, with, um, customs is money.
7: (laughs) Yeah, It
3: it is what it is. Uh, Um, it is my bread and butter, if you will. I have a retail store also, but that retail store clearly has been closed for two months now. It's actually due to reopen next Monday and I have yet to even go by there to clean up all my mess and, and, and sort of start all of that all over again. What I have found with this situation is that the store is taking taking me away from making more money. (laughs) I have made more money right now than um, maybe because I have more time to be at home. I've, I've taken in more orders, more custom orders. So that motivation is there. The difference for me, Sarah, I would say is that when you're doing custom, there is that pressure and that I have to do it this way because this is what the customer has asked versus the freedom of doing whatever I want. And when I do whatever I want, I really go crazy sometimes. I'll go, I'll do colors that I I will say, you know, I'm, I'm fine if this never sells and I will do a color that perhaps never has sold. I have some pinks right now and I have, I love blues and I, so I do a lot of blues and things like that. I'll do decoupage or I'll do a transfer and things like that. And I am okay with those staying a little bit longer with me because I believe that my customs, it is what's carrying me through. So It is a kind of a 50-50 for me, but I do love doing my own stuff because it is my freedom of choice and is my freedom of expression. And as an artist, it's hard to to have that customer kind of reel you in and say, no, this is exactly what I need you to do. So it's different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anastasia, you were going to say something before I started. (laughs) Didn't want to cut you off.
4: So right now there's like little or no staying on task for me being a full-time mommy to an eighth-month-old and an enthusiastic four-year-old in quarantine. But I do have to say that since being in quarantine, I actually feel like I have slightly more time to work on furniture. Um, I recently moved my workspace from the basement to the garage, so I have so much more space now. But before um, quarantine, we would rush out the door every day to school, and then three hours later, I'd have to go pick them up. Then we had parks and swim lessons, so none of us were really on a set schedule. But now I think what, in week eight we're in, in quarantine, I ki- we kind of found like a nice groove to our schedule. So pretty much anytime the baby naps, I just run to the garage. Also with my four-year-old who I include in pretty much everything, unless I'm like spraying something. I don't want him there. Mm-hmm. But I usually get like 20 minutes or I get an hour when the baby's napping. But I know that this period won't last forever. So for now, I'm just embracing all the happy chaos that's happening in our house. Um, but as for staying on task while being on quarantine, I feel like a list is like what I have to do. Like in the morning, I have to like make a list, and if I get to fifty of fifty percent of those things, I am I'm happy. Does it make
3: you feel though? Does it make you feel guilty if you don't finish the list? Because that's the problem with me. If I write myself a list and, and it has ten things, I make myself finish the tenth one before I go to bed.
4: Yeah. No, I think I feel guilty if it's custom work. You know, because you, you want to get it mm-hmm. done for the customer. But if, it, if it's something I'm doing, I'm like, okay, I'll just get to that tomorrow.
3: Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Sarah?
5: I don't know about you all. Well, I set weekly goals and I set daily goals. Like I'll take like, and I keep everything really small because I'm like you, Eliana. If I make too many things and I don't get them done, then I beat myself up. But mm-hmm. I usually set weekly goals for a piece and I'll say, okay, like this week I'm going to do this dresser and then I break it down to each day. Like on Monday, I'm going to bondo the spots that needed. Tuesday, I'm going to sand it. And each day, if I accomplish that one thing and I have more time and I can accomplish Tuesday's task, then I feel like I've really succeeded and I'm ahead of schedule and then I can not do anything Tuesday, which I don't ever do that. I <laughs> I always do something every <laughs> yeah.
3: day. Yeah.
5: But... um Doing those goals. I also set timers on my stove um, for recoats because otherwise, like I'll spray a coat or brush a coat, and then, you know, two hours later I can do it again. But then life gets ahead of you, and then it's eight o'clock, and you're like, oh, I meant to do that second coat three hours ago. So I'll set timers on my stove. That's really smart. Yeah, that's
3: really good. I like that (laughs) idea.
5: Because you can get a piece done from beginning to end, well, paint and top coat wise in one day. But if you don't set timers, Mm -hmm. you
3: get sucked into something else. And, you know, three days later, you're on coat two. I try to do a custom and one of my pieces at the same time. So I will normally take it at the beginning of the week and prep it and do all of the prep work and then do the paint. And especially if I have something that I know is going to be in the same colors or in the same color. I'll do a lot of white. I will try to get all of the, the pieces that are going to be in that color and I try to prep them that week and have them done that week so that I don't have to sort of change. Because I think that for me, that's one of the things if, if I start something in green or in blue and I also have to do white, I don't have the space, as I was saying before, to work like my garage is full of other stuff. So I don't I don't have the garage to work on right now. Uh, I work from an area within inside my house um, that is part of my living room, if you will. And so for me to change colors, if I want to spray, it's impossible. I would have to take that outside to paint it. And, and if the weather is not good, I cannot combine two different colors because I can't set out as far out in my in my yard as I would want to. So mm-hmm. my productivity has to be based on colors <laughs> almost all the time. Uh, and um, But it works for me and, and I make it work and I wouldn't change it for the world because I would rather do this than do what I used to do a long time ago. I don't want to go back to corporate America. So I try not to complain about my situation. I try to just to, just to make it work with what I have right now.
5: It is really nice That's working like in a community where everybody loves what they do so much and is so passionate about it. Like for all, you know, we pretty much all feel the same way, and that that always is cool to me. Yeah, absolutely,
3: absolutely. yes, definitely. So I, I have a question um, as far as productivity. Also, I feel like tools are very important, and I'm learning early on. My husband said I would ask him to do something, and he would say, "Yeah," but I don't have the tool to do that. So I started learning that. In order for him to answer different, I would go to Home Depot first, buy the tool for him, and bring it home and say, "Guess <laughs> what? I got you something new." <laughs> and then I would get him to do whatever I needed to do. Which then it was like, "Okay, well now we need to go to YouTube for two hours so we can learn what we're supposed to do." Uh, past that, what tools have you guys or could not live without right now to make hmm. your productivity better? Or what helps you with being more productive, tool wise? You mm-hmm. know how I feel. <laughs> you know what
4: I love. <laughs> I know what know know you're I'm going to yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go well, buy one right after this.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the best investment you will make in your business. And, and there's no joke on that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah. aside from surf prep, what else <laughs> do you guys cannot live without?
5: My husband. Because <laughs> I couldn't fix <laughs> half the things on my furniture that he does. But. <laughs> That's so true.
3: And is yeah, a nice is the share... least handyman. <laughs> so share a nice, share Gary's.
0: Let me just add here think really carefully of what tools you can't live without
3: a zebra brushes. Yeah, oh, yes. Right. Oh, yeah. The square brush.
0: Yeah, that is excellent. <laughs>
4: Good answer. <laughs>
0: That's all very authentic, too. That wasn't <laughs> too.
3: <laughs> no, but that is Late true. Now, I'm okay. going there with my question, too, but they didn't catch it.
0: <laughs> I thank you for that effort, Eliana. <laughs>
4: well, I don't know about a tool, but I—I I literally, I feel like always in my hand is wood putty. Like I just like always am filling gaps and holes, and I think I have like four of them spread around the garage because I'm always losing them. I would say a good. Yeah.
0: Let me throw something out here, when, Anastasia. When you mm-hmm. mentioned wood putty, because I've seen through stories that a lot of people use different types of things to fill holes. Would you say that's a different material to fill a hole versus like? When you've got like major like veneer issues where you're bondoing, uh-huh. I mean, do you use bondo for the holes too? I mean, so how does that work?
4: For bondo, I use, I guess for veneer, but just for the little holes I use, I don't even know which one it is. It's the one that comes out pink and then it turns brown when it's dry. So it's like foolproof. Uh-huh. But yeah, for I love filling in lines on pieces. Um, I don't like seeing gaps in between wood. So yeah, for those yeah. I use bondo.
0: Well, go back to the, I know uh, Eliana's question, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that came up to my thought processes because I do see a lot of people filling in holes. Of course, that's part of the process. So interesting.
3: You know what though? I I, I would have to say this. I hate wood putty because it dries uh, too quick on different pieces. And I think it depends on the wood that you're, that you're working on. I think each wood takes it differently, but I do use bondo also on larger pieces, like you said, Lane. Uh, on the small ones, a lot of uh, what is that stuff called that to fix the walls? Um, oh my goodness, the the yeah. stuff that you, that, uh, that you feel spackle. little holes, spackle. Yeah, yeah, spackle. yeah, thank you. there there, <laughs> there are some little things that you can do, like if you if you have maybe a nick on on a piece of of, of furniture, you can do that. But then I'm always afraid of, will it come off? Because it's yeah. not wood on wood. Oh, yeah. It's more like, uh, I don't know what, what that is on wood. And then if I give it, especially when I'm doing custom work, if I give it to my customer and then my customer calls and says, well, there is a hole on, top of, on the top of this. What did you use? And that's <sighs> always in my mind. Like, like a question that I ask myself coming from my customer asking me. I even dream with this, <laughs> which is really <laughs> weird. I have those dreams of those nightmare dreams of people asking me, why did you use on this? Because it's all messed up. And so, no, I try not to use it. Um, the bondo, I would, I would say, is the best, the 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 strongest. I would call it the strongest thing to use. Yeah, but it stinks. Mm-hmm. It stinks. it bad. Does I think sting. we need to it, oh my we need gosh. to start. It, you know, we are a community big enough now that we can submit a formal complaint to bondo and say, "Dude, you need to fix yeah. this for us." <laughs> it's true. My son <laughs> and I like the smell of it.
6: Uh oh! We're,
1: we're so weird <laughs> He
5: and I are both weird about smells like that Like not like gross smells but like Fumy smells he's like mom do you like that I'm like I do what's wrong with us <laughs> Well
3: I have to say that the smell of Stain doesn't bother me at all and everybody In my house uh, comes out And they oh my god she's staining again and they all Leave so I use that <laughs> technique For when I want them to leave also, yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> You're pretty clever there, <laughs> I try. <laughs>
5: I thought of something that's that's definitely helped my productivity. It was something I saw um, Fallon at Market House Restorations use. Are the syringes for the wood glue? Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I just saw someone doing that. I guess it was her. Oh, I got, can't get dude, mine like, to work. Really? Mm-mm.
7: I'm gonna. Or I will world. send
5: you a. I'll send you a little video, um, because they're, they're, they're kind of weird, but they're so cheap and you can get glue and all those little weird spots and lifting veneer. And then a good mm-hmm. collection of clamps is good to have because yeah, that's true. We, yeah. we had like smaller ones, but then sometimes you need, you know, really big ones for a big long drawer. So I think like a good set of different size clamps is definitely very helpful.
3: I saw uh, uh, Lynette um, using a tool on her power tools on her Ryobi stuff. She has like an attachment that's kind of a, an L. Do you guys, any of you have that? Because I don't have that one. Mm-mm. And that's oh, a clever it's like a, one it's too.
5: A, I think it's a right angle, like a right angle drill.
3: Yeah, something like that. I saw that the I saw her using it the other day and I was like, hmm, next, come, Father's Day is coming up. That's a great <laughs> present for my husband. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: A.K.A. me, because I probably will
1: be the one using it. <laughs> yeah. so, I like I saw that as well.
3: That was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. So that's on. That's next on the arsenal of tools that I will have soon. Just, just
0: tell him he needs to listen to this podcast, and he'll get oh. all that he needs as far as ideas.
3: With me, Lane, <laughs> if I do that, then he'll get he'll get way more ideas, and then all my customers will be <laughs> dedicated to tools for him. <laughs> which is fine which is fine
4: <laughs> um i guess i did have another question um for eliana I, you said you had a retail store is it a retail store or is it a booth um booths have like always intrigued me it's there's a lot of them up here so i've always wanted to do one i just i mean right now it doesn't make sense but maybe after
3: quarantine yeah so i've, I've it's, it's a booth technically but i have almost a thousand square feet so okay. I call it a store wow. because it's so big. Yeah, and I've had it for almost eight years. It would, it would actually be eight years in June. Mm-hmm. I started um, at this particular location. I've been there seven years, but I've had booths since I started the business, basically because I've been, I've always been kind of cautious about having people come to my house to do pickups and things like that. In fact, mm-hmm. I have a storage unit which is literally across the street from my house but I don't store anything that I finish and sell myself. I don't keep it in my house. I always take it over there because I don't like, I don't like giving my address to people. Although yeah. most of my custom work, those people I kind of know, but I don't know. And sometimes I'll have them drop it off over there. And sometimes once I get to know them, most a lot of my customers have repeats. So once they become a repeat customer, then yeah, you can bring it to my house. The first time, No, take it to the storage. I don't know who you are (laughs) yet. So, But yeah, I've had it for almost eight years. And um, I'm actually in the process, I think, I'm have. i not 100% on this yet, but I might be closing it, which is kind of, it doesn't float very easily out of my mouth yet because uh, it's been such a big part of my business. But uh, what I have found in the last almost year is that uh, the The market has changed so much that uh, since there are so many people selling and so, so many people painting quote unquote, uh, the market has changed. so the furniture the, the furniture side of it is not doing as well as my small side. So I may keep a smaller booth and um, which is in a very large mall. there are three hundred and fifty retailers in there. I haven't decided to do that. So I I would say this, be very cautious because things are not the way that they used to be. But I would always also tell you, never say never and never not try because then you don't know what could have been. And you would always ask yourself that question. And that's something that I always try not to do. I always give it a try. And if it doesn't work out, then it didn't. I would say commit to a short-term lease rather than a long-term lease. And that way you at least have the experience under your belt and you'll say, I did that too. It didn't work out, but I did it. Yes, very true. Oh, I do have a tip, ladies. I don't know if you guys and how well this will go with you because Sarah, you have um, all your kids. And then Anastasia, you have little kids, but I don't cook. So that saves me a lot of time. I don't cook either. I make
5: Gary do it. (laughs) I do cook.
4: So that's just another uh, thing to the list.
3: Yeah, my Gary's the one who cooks too. We, Sarah and I share Gary's, not the same one, but we do we each have a Gary of our own.
5: <laughs> we share Gary's, and I'm 900 years old. This We learned all kinds of things. Yeah, this
0: podcast.
3: I'm
5: telling
0: you. Really it's interesting crazy. podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great panel discussion on how to stay on task as a refinisher. I'm always impressed with the level of productivity by so many refinishers, all the while taking care of their kids and families and other responsibilities. We appreciate you all sharing your thoughts and insights to help others. And it was insightful in many ways because each of you are at different places, different circumstances. So I know there's a lot of gleaning that took place from listeners on what you guys do. So we really appreciate that.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Lane.
0: Well, a special thank you to all three of you again for joining us today. Stay safe and stay well.
6: Thank you, you Lane. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: Thanks to all of you for sharing what works for each of you. Even though we all are different, there are some solid takeaways we can all implement in making sure we don't watch the clock tick away each day, but stay on task while enjoying the process of refinishing. I know, can you believe it's October and even though we are moving quickly through the calendar, we always love to figure out how to surprise our friends. Laura Cobb was our August featured artist and we wanted to catch her off guard and surprise her with a few words from her friends in celebration of her August feature. Enjoy Laura. Hi this is Anthony McKeel with Rugged Refinery and uh, I've known Laura for a few years now and she has always been a great source for information and inspiration. Uh, Congrats, Laura, this is well-deserved.
5: Hi, Laura, Deanne here over at Wild Home Vintage, and I just wanna congratulate you on being the August featured artist. Your classic timeless pieces are always so inspiring to see, and I really love when they pop up in my feed. I really enjoy seeing the different ways you choose to expose wood on so many of your pieces. As a fellow lover of exposed wood over here, um, that's definitely one of my favorite aspects of of your work. And just be sure to keep sharing all of your beautiful work and
6: you are truly inspiring. Once again, congrats. Hey, this is Misty at
3: Second Chances by Misty. And I just wanted to say a few quick words about Laura Cobb. Um, She is awesome. And if you have ever seen any of her work, you know that she goes above and beyond on every single piece. Um, Let's just all admit it and say that when we grow up we all want to be Laura when we grow up um, because she's just amazing and not only is she amazing artist she is one of the kindest um ladies that i know in this industry and you cannot go wrong um, with encouraging her and befriending her
7: hello everyone this is Juanita from perfectly chippy i just want to say thank you to Laura for the daily dose of inspiration you never disappoint, and it shows. Love all your pieces, each one of them in its own unique way. Love all the hard work and the heart and soul you put on them. It shows so good. Thank you for inspiring me. And I just want to say, congrats! You're almost at 10K. Woohoo! Congratulations, Laura.
0: Today's refinishing tip comes from Chelsea with River and Oak Living.
6: Hi Lane. it's Chelsea from River and Oak Living. We have a paint tip this week that we think you would love. The tip is that when painting a mirror we always suggest that lining the inside of the mirror with a deck of cards one by one stops the paint from getting on the mirror surface and you don't have to fight with those tape lines. Number one thing to remember, though, is to always take the cards out as soon as you're done painting your final coat so that they don't stick underneath.
0: Great tip, Chelsea. Thanks so much. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week.
7: Hi this is Christine from CM Restorations and this week in my shop I'll be working on finishing a large dining room table and bench for a client. Um, I'm sanding it to bare wood and staining a dark walnut stain. I'm also painting two French provincial nightstands and I will be using um, a really pretty gray blue color from Lily Moon Vintage's new paint line which is amazing and then i had an mcm dresser i sold about a month ago on my etsy shop and it traveled from california to virginia and unfortunately it was damaged in the truck so when i got it back the legs and the base were completely broken and unrepairable so this week i'm going to work on figuring out what type of base i want to build but i will be building a base out of red oak and then fixing any of the damage to the rest of the dresser and hopefully i can relist that Um, And then my full-time day job, I'm actually an event producer. So I do work on um, building custom props um, out of wood and painting them and, you know, refinishing furniture that can be used in events. So I am working on a farmhouse style table for a bride and groom's wedding. Um, And then with Halloween coming up, I'm working on some custom props that I'm cutting out of lumber and painting. Um, And then I'm also working on building a Day of the Dead altar for a client event, um, and that will be built out of a bookcase and dresser. So, I have a lot going on, but super exciting.
2: Hey, this is what we have in the
5: shop at Silo Design this week.
6: Yeah, Maggie's finishing up a gorgeous MCM dresser. She's going to be staging it this week. We're really excited for that to come
7: out.
2: And we have two or three more pieces coming out with a beautiful geometric
4: design hand painting with zebra
6: brushes for that flawless finish. Yeah, Maggie's going to be using her artistic ability on those, really go not on a limb, so we're really excited to see how those turn out this week, so stay tuned, everyone.
2: Hey, it's Amber Steingard from Lakeside Restorations. I was so honored to be asked uh, to share what I'm working on in my studio this week. Um, I'm super excited because I actually just picked up a whole new pile of great zebra brushes that I'm excited to bust into, mainly the short handle brush. I'm so excited to use that. Um, But I have a whole bunch of custom work this week. So I'm working on um, refinishing a dining table. I'm also working on um, doing a repair to a vintage dresser top and i have two beautiful art deco waterfall style dressers that i'm getting to paint and we're gonna keep some of the natural wood front drawers that is just gorgeous and the
6: original hardware is going to get a refresh too so i'm super excited to see all of that and how that turns out
0: thank you friends listeners make sure you go check out their social media feeds Thanks for hanging with us to the end as we have some announcements that will provide you with opportunities to get noticed. The October Zebra Review Contest is all about pinks, and it's in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This emphasis is in memory of so many who have experienced the ravaging effects of this terrible disease and in honor of those who have overcome. We dedicate this month to you. Please note that any pieces you have refinished in a pink or pinks may be entered as long as it was refinished between October 1st, 2021 and October 31st, 2021. Along with Zebra, we have teamed up with Farmhouse Paint, D-Lawless Hardware, and Surf Prep Sanding. Make sure you follow our sponsors just mentioned, as well as our judges, Perfectly Imperfect Furniture Restoration, Katie Cloud, Salvaged by K. Scott, Portland Rose Studio, and Sitting Pretty Home Decor. When you post your pieces, make sure you use the hashtag #TheZebraReview. The Zebra Collective is back and celebrating the autumn equinox. Autumn brings coziness, changing landscape, and cool nights. There are so many ways to capture all the fall feels through furniture design. Make sure you tag your pieces with our hashtag #ZebraCollective when posting, and follow all of the prize sponsors and judges: Zebra Painting, Wise Al Paint, Salt Wash Official, East Willow Co steel birch studios olive and fern blush vintage and 1379 design only furniture refinished from january 1st 2021 through october 31st 2021 may be entered we can't wait to see your autumn inspired pieces we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Refinishing podcast. Today's episode is also featured on our enjoyzebra.com site, along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing.